Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. So today we're going to have a really important conversation to continue on with our Domestic Violence Awareness Month topics. So one of the most common questions that come up when discussing domestic violence or the survivors of domestic violence is, why do they stay? So what we wanted to do today was have some discussions around the question many domestic violence survivors ask themselves while they're in that relationship. The question being, should I stay or should I go? So due to the nature of this conversation, this may be triggering for some. So please take care during today's episode and utilize our resources below if you need additional support or more information. Definitely. And I'm super excited for today's episode and for us to be able to really highlight how important it is to rephrase a question like, why do they stay or why are they still there? Mm -hmm. And so we have definitely brought these conversations up a few times in the past um, while discussing different types of abuse or how abusive relationships work. And we know that leaving any significant relationship is challenging, especially a relationship that is abusive because it can become very difficult when someone is being isolated in a relationship, right? Especially if they're being isolated from their friends, family, and resources. Um, Also when they are being psychologically or emotionally abused or if they're being threatened. And so last episode, we went over all the different types of domestic violence and what falls under that umbrella. So if you are curious to know about domestic violence in all the different forms, please take a look at our last episode and the last conversation we had together. So first, let's just start by validating a few common feelings that a survivor victim may have when debating this question of leaving or staying. If you're someone right now asking the question to yourself, remember that it is normal to feel confused, afraid, and conflicted about this decision. Perhaps you are hoping that your partner is just in a bad place or will change or you're afraid of their reaction if you decide to leave. You might be feeling shame or guilt and thinking that there is something you are doing wrong or could be doing better. Please remember that any abuse or or violence is never your fault. And the only thing that should matter when making this decision is your safety. Yeah, and thank you so much for highlighting that to kind of start us off here, right? It's so important for anyone that may be listening out there or just, you know, a good thing to keep in mind for everyone is that if someone is, you know, a victim of violence or abuse, it is not their fault, right, at all. It was absolutely that other person's choice and decision to commit that act, right, or, um, you know, commit that abuse towards them. So let's dive into this conversation today. So we're going to be going over you know, some of the biggest barriers or challenges for leaving an abusive relationship. Um, And this content was taken from a variety of resources today, such as the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and One Love, which is another another great organization, uh, among others. So we're going to link these additional sources below. So the number one consideration for leaving or not leaving a violent relationship is that first and foremost, We live in a society that normalizes unhealthy and abusive behaviors. Um, So when people think that some of these unhealthy or abusive relationship behaviors are normal, right? It makes it really hard for that victim or survivor to feel like they can or even should get help. Um, And I know we talked about this a little bit in our last episode. Miguel brought up the series on Netflix, Made. Um, But Made does a really great job 
really showing an accurate depiction of what a domestic violence relationship can look like, right? But one of the biggest things in the first few episodes is that, you know, main character, who's the victim survivor in that relationship, uh, she states that, you know, I'm not being abused, you know, he never hit me, right? And so when we're thinking about things like this and the influence that media can have especially, right? Um, it's really important to keep that in mind. And also, you know, if someone's growing up in an environment where unhealthy or abusive relationships occur and are therefore normalized or become expected, then yeah, that's going to play a really big uh, part, right, of how we think about these relationships. And, you know, even if someone understands whether or not they're actually in an abusive relationship. And so I wanted to mention, uh, my partner and I right now are watching that series, You, the, the new season just came out on Netflix. And, you know, we were having a little conversation as well, right? Because this, if you've never seen the show, I won't give any spoilers, but essentially it's about a violent stalker, right? And him pursuing, um, you know, at this point, season three, a variety of different relationships. And it's really interesting, right? Because he is a really dangerous, violent, scary uh, individual, right? Who is stalking women and doing a bunch of different things. But, you know, the show really kind of paints a picture of him that he's also this really nice guy, right? And I've seen a lot of conversations on the internet about how, you know, how cute he is and how girls are, you know, really interested in him, right? And so, yeah, just thinking about things like that. Um, it's really important that we keep in mind that, again, you know, if we think these behaviors are normal, then of course, you know, someone be really be questioning whether or not they want to leave an unhealthy relationship because they may be expecting that that's what a relationship is, right? Or that is what's normal. So that is definitely uh, one of the biggest things to keep in mind. Absolutely. I think that's something so important to highlight, especially if you grew up in a home where maybe domestic violence was your norm, right? Yeah. Or maybe the relationships that have been around you have been unhealthy or abusive. You start believing and thinking that it's normal, especially maybe in your culture. So there's so many different factors that come into play. But our next consideration on the list is number two, maybe you're hoping the abuser will change or maybe they promised they would change or stop the abuse. And so I just want to highlight that we are not saying this is impossible or that this person is incapable of changing but mm -hmm. we will say that it is very difficult right and the motivation to abuse someone is power and control and that can come yeah. from some deep-seated emotional or psychological issues so to be able to change this pattern of abuse this person would have to start by being able to take full responsibility for their behavior and to mm -hmm. do some intensive and important important inner work that includes working with a professional help break the cycle of their behavior and lastly has to stop blaming you the victim um, who would be the survivor or anyone else for their behavior and so this is something that can be very tricky right because someone who yeah. is not psychologically or emotionally healthy may not be able or capable to recognize you know that they are responsible for their actions and that there is no excuse for abuse right and so mm -hmm. you may have a victim or survivor who truly believes that their partner needs help um, but believes that they're a good person and we're not saying that they're not a good person but what really happens is it's important to know that with domestic violence it's a pattern right and it's a cycle and yeah. so it will continue to happen unless those two individuals are not together and working on themselves individually right and specifically 
the abuser because even though they may the victim may no longer be with that abuser if that abuser moves on to another relationship they most likely will reoffend right until they get the help that yeah. they need and so it's really important to know the signs that the abuse the signs that you may see of the abuser not changing and some of those signs are that they may minimize the abuse or deny how serious it is, right? And so, for example, they may say that that didn't really happen or it's not that big of a deal. You just make it into a big deal. Um, you know, they may continue to blame others for their behavior, like they made me or I only did this because they did that or you made me do this based on, you know, what you did or what you said. Um, yeah. He or she claims that they... Um, are the ones that are he or she claims that their partner who is the victim or survivor is actually the abusive one may pressure you to go to couples counseling um, may tell you that you owe them another chance right like you have no choice and you need to do what they're asking you to do um, or again just making you feel like you owe them right um, you have to push them to stay in treatment so this is something that's really important, right? Um, sometimes because you do love that other person and you just, a lot of times when you have a survivor or victim leave an abusive relationship, they're not leaving that person because they don't love them. Usually they mm -hmm. just want the hurt and the pain to stop, right? And so yeah. uh, a lot of times they're still wanting their significant other or that person that is abusive to just get help and treatment. And so it may be the victim that's kind of pushing or pressuring or highly suggesting for the abuser to go to treatment but in reality you know if that person wants to get better or get help they should be able to do that on their own because it will only work mm -hmm. if they are taking those steps individually um, they may say that they can't change unless you stay with them and support them they may manipulate you in the sense of just letting you know that if you leave them, they will commit suicide, or if you leave them, their life will spiral out more out of control, right? They may try to get sympathy from you, your children, or your family and friends. They may expect something from you in exchange for getting help. And another sign is that they may pressure you to make decisions about the relationship, right? That you maybe aren't able to do on your own. Um, because you're trying to process it and make that decision, but maybe they're pressuring you to do what they want you to do. And so it's really important to know, again, that it's not that we're saying that abusers cannot change. Um, we are just saying that there is never an excuse for relationships to be abusive, right? Or for someone to become abusive. And so it's really important to know that it is a pattern and it is a cycle right and so it's really critical and important for everyone to be you know safe in a relationship and aside from that um, it's really important that when someone is abusive that they receive the help that they need but they have to take full responsibility and accountability and so yeah although the victim may be trying to open the abuser's eyes and be like you know this is what you're doing and you're you should feel bad or you should be sorry or you should want help because you're being abusive only that person can do that right mm -hmm. 
And I think from this conversation, it's kind of important to also say that, you know, domestic violence is very dynamic and there's different layers yeah. to what this looks like. So I think it's from what we talked about, it's just it's not so simple as they make it sound on TV or just like, you know, the way that people talk about domestic violence. So I feel like in this conversation, we're just kind of highlighting that it is very, very dynamic and there's multiple layers to domestic violence and why people, Absolutely. you know, why they say. Um, but our third consideration is. It feels impossible to be able to meet someone new, better, or start in another relationship. Being abused or victimized can take a serious toll on someone's self-esteem, making it challenging to know that you deserve better. Also, the victim and survivors might be being blamed for the abuse that is occurring and being told that they deserve it because of their actions. Over time, the victim and survivors will start to internalize this message that they deserve it and that it's their fault and that they don't deserve better, you know? And I feel like if somebody repeats these things to you multiple times, then yeah, you're eventually you'll start believing that this is what you deserve. And that, you know, that it just kind of, yeah. you know, you really do internalize it and do believe what this partner is saying to you. Um, this person might really begin to feel that they have no other option. And because of that, they may ask themselves, what is the point of leaving? No one else will want me. Or if I leave someone else may just treat me worse than this. So what's the point? You know, so these are thoughts that come up to yeah. any survivor's, you know, mind, you know, when leaving somebody, especially, you know, this is somebody that they, you know, and maybe they still love at some point that they love. You know, this is, you know, it's a hard decision to make to kind of, up, you know, take your life and just find somebody else. Absolutely. And I think, too, just to think for a second, like even in healthy relationships, right, I think like that is a narrative that commonly comes up for a lot of people. You know, will I find someone that does treat me this way? Or will I ever find love again? Or will I find that support, that comfort, whatever, you know, that they're really working towards for that relationship. And so, yeah, uh, like Miguel was saying, kind of the different dynamics of this, the layers, the manipulation that's going on, and just that pattern, right, of hearing that over and over and over again, like, I just think about how much more challenging and how much those thoughts are really going to come up, right? Maybe if you, yeah, are blatantly being told that, like, mm -hmm. you don't deserve better. You're never going to find anyone better. Of course, that's going to have that really layered effect. And that's really going to make impact no matter who you are, right? How resilient you are. Like, hearing that enough times, that's going to make its way in. That's going to sink in a little bit. Absolutely. And I think as advocates, this is something that we have learned very often when we're working with survivors of domestic violence, there's that psychological and emotional piece. And so sometimes you look at the survivor that you're working with and you're just like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Like you're already so independent. You are so intelligent. Of course you will be okay. Of course you will be able to be financially independent, continue to go to school or follow their mm -hmm. dreams, right? But it never matters how we see them. It matters how they see themselves. And because of right. all that psychological and emotional abuse that they have experienced, they now believe these horrible things, right? And so that's why as advocates and honestly, just as a person that just cares about someone. So, you know, to our listeners who most likely know someone that they love or care for that is experiencing an abusive relationship, the best thing you could do is fill up their cup of coffee with affirmations and positivity and empower mm -hmm. them and remind them how amazing they are. Because just like they're able to believe all those negative things, you know, they can in the, the future believe all these positive things as well. They just need to be able to hear it on repetition, just like they heard all those negative things. So Absolutely. it's important to let them know that they can do it, that they're amazing, that they will find someone that 
they deserve to be respected and they deserve to feel safe, you know? And so I think it's so important to know that because sometimes when people ask, like, why do they stay? They were physically free, right? They, th this person's making the choice and it's like, no, they're not making this choice. Sometimes you are unable to see those invisible psychological chains, right? That they are chained mm -hmm. to because a lot of times it's that psychological and emotional piece. And then I think that every victim has like their own story, right? So every victim has to do what they think they need to do to survive. So if that's, mm -hmm. you know, staying in that relationship for whatever reason, you know, they're doing that to survive in that moment. So I feel like it's important yeah. to also consider that component as well, that every story is different and the victim or survivor will do whatever it takes to survive. And at the end of the day, that's a strength, right? They did what needed to be done yeah, to absolutely. survive that story and to be able to tell their story. And I feel like that's where the word survivor comes from, you know, in my perspective, at mm -hmm. least. Absolutely. Yeah. I love you guys both really speaking to that, you know, because that is something so important, especially um, like JC was mentioning, right? It's really hard to kind of understand that from the outside right if you're not in a situation if you're not you know witnessing firsthand or being able to because we never we can never understand someone else's experience right no matter how much knowledge we have about it and so yeah especially not having that um you know we can have enough empathy sympathy whatever but just not being able to really you know know what's going on in that relationship and knowing how they feel um yeah it's gonna be really challenging right to kind of see those things and so to kind of jump back in for number four on our list, we have, because of the cycle of violence, the abuse uh, is usually and always followed by the makeup or the honeymoon phase, right? So yeah, this could be a big reason why someone's um, maybe quote unquote not leaving, right? That relationship, because yeah, if they are experiencing violence or abuse, um, but then they're kind of getting back into that, um, that lovey phase, right? So maybe after the abuse or violence occurs, there's that kind of what I call that drop to the knees apology moment, right? Like, oh my God, I was out of my mind. I don't know what I was thinking. You know how much I love you. You know I would never hurt you, right? Um, you know, this could be really confusing, A. Um, and also that could be a moment where the partner feels like, yeah, they they can really change, right? Or, you know, maybe, yeah, they're right. This behavior will never happen again. And if we think about that cycle, which we spoke about this um, last year's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we did a uh, Dynamics of Domestic Violence episode. We talked about the cycle of violence. We talked about how, you know, that honeymoon phase is pretty significant, right? We all go through a honeymoon phase, uh, unhealthy or healthy relationships. And so if we fall in love with that person, because we don't know how long the honeymoon phase is, right? It could be months, it could be years of a really, you know, over the top kind of lovey relationship before anything unhealthy or abusive happens. And so, you know, if, especially that like first couple of times around that cycle, if we're experiencing some kind of violence or abuse, and then our partner is able to kind of show us that person we fell in love with, right? And kind of remind us, you know, this is who I am and this is who you fell in love with. And you know that I would never do these things, you know, unless there was some external stress or unless this was going on or, you know, right, any other kind of excuse or reasoning they may have, then yeah, that partner might be kind of feeling that nostalgia again, right? That romance from the beginning of the relationship. And again, like, oh, there's my partner, right? I know it wasn't this abusive person. I know that that's not who they really are. They're really showing me right now that, you know, they're back to their old self, right? Uh, and unfortunately, we know that it's a cycle, right? So after that, you know, honeymoon phase kind of comes around again, suddenly they're right back in the tension phase, right? Kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, maybe experiencing red flags or unhealthy behaviors in which 
they're uncomfortable and then waiting for that unfortunate third stage, which is violence or abuse, right? And so that is another really important thing to keep in mind, right? Uh, Because again, asking that question, why aren't you leaving? Just thinking about that, right? This is someone that that person loves and cares about. And again, if we're going through that cycle, which we know violent relationships take that cycle, then that, you know, laps back into the honeymoon phase. Um, It's going to be you know, really significant, right? And probably make them feel like they don't need to leave or they don't want to leave that relationship. And that's really big to keep in mind. Absolutely. Next up, we have number five, leaving an abusive relationship can be very dangerous. And we know statistically breaking up or leaving an abusive partner can be the most dangerous time of the entire relationship. In Mm -hmm. fatal domestic violence cases, women are 70 times more likely to be killed in the weeks post breakup than they are at any other point in their relationship. And Mm -hmm. this is something that is very true, but also very scary to know. And this is why we also practice safety and we practice safety in many different layers, right? We practice safety planning with survivors as well as you know safety planning for ourselves and the way that we respond to domestic violence incidents not only that but we also have a partnership with the police department and they also take safety very seriously when it comes to responding to domestic violence because also the statistics show a high number of you know police officers being hurt or impacted by responding to domestic violence calls and so with that being said it's just really we're not trying to scare anyone but we are just really wanting to talk about the seriousness when it comes to domestic violence and someone leaving an abusive relationship and so with that being said one of the biggest protective measures um, for us and for us to do with survivors is to create a safety plan so we are definitely going to have a downloadable safety plan linked below for anyone who is interested or would like to create one In the future, we will have a full episode on safety plans for abusive relationships and we'll break down um, what that looks like and the important aspects to take into consideration when it comes to safety planning. Because again, it's not as easy as, oh, grab your bags and go, right? We know Mm -hmm. that that can actually put them in more danger than what they were in, especially when you have someone that has been so abusive and has gained so much power and control over their partner and when they feel like that power and control is no longer there and they feel like they can't control that person that they've been able to control for months or years right Mm -hmm. Um, it can become very very dangerous and so you know it's really important for our listeners out there if you are in an abusive relationship and trying to escape please connect with you know, an agency like ours or with an advocate that can help you safety plan to make sure that you're able to escape or leave in a safe way. Yes, safety, safety, safety. And I feel like, you know, there's Mm -hmm. different safety plans, not one fits all. So, you know, these safety plans are very, very individualized to the person that, you know, the client. So if you are, if you are seeking help, you know, reach out and get that, that plan at least in place. So you have that, you know, so whenever you decide to leave, you have that, that planned out. So next on the list is number six, they share a life together. It can seem too challenging or impossible to leave a situation if you're married, have children, have pets, or have a dependency on your partner due to circumstances and finances. 
There could be a fear surrounding what will happen to the children, what family, friends, my cultural religion will think about leaving or getting a divorce, or this person may feel like they will be, they will have nothing in terms of money, shelter, or resources if they leave. These are all very real huge barriers for someone. Even in younger relationships, there could be a fear of losing their support system if their partner and them share the same friend group or if they're in the same place living together. Although there are a variety of different support systems and resources available to different communities, it may not always be easy to figure out the resources or to have access to them. And, you know, reaching out to a lot of these housing programs and stuff like that, it takes time and it takes a lot of knowledge sometimes those packets are huge and just mm -hmm. having to deal and how to fill these things out and how to ask the right questions and what you qualify and what you don't qualify you know that can be intimidating to people that may not be familiar to that paperwork so i feel like that's a yeah. huge barrier as well so below we have a we have linked some awesome sites for those who are listening in the u.s that can help access resources for someone wanting to leave their relationship we also included some sites for international listeners to get support and of course, if you're in the South Lake Tahoe Alpine area, you can call Live Violence Free. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just some of those barriers are really important to keep in mind, right? And especially just, yeah, accessing those resources first and foremost, maybe locating where I can go, right, to access a shelter or, you know, any of those, um, like, things such as housing, right? And so, yeah, um, and this isn't, again, kind of like what we mentioned, not just, like, scare anyone off, but I think it's really important, right, to kind of talk about some of these barriers um, and some of these challenges that some individuals do or may face um, because it's just, again, kind of part of that awareness piece, right? And I think at the end of the day it could be a really big help. Um, and so, yeah, I'm happy that we also sourced some national and international resources below. So if anyone out there is curious, um, looking for some more support, definitely uh, follow those links and maybe that could be a big help or a big first step in doing that. So of course these are only, um, you know, a snapshot of barriers or considerations for leaving. We definitely did not cover all of them. Uh, but, you know, for today, we wanted to kind of keep it at the most common and also, you know, just leave space to really kind of chat about these things a little bit deeper. So let's say that someone does decide to stay in a relationship, which is really common, right? I think we know that pretty well working at the agency we do, uh, but it takes an average of seven times to leave an abusive relationship. So if that is the case for you or someone you know, please just remember that you or the victim or survivor are not to be blamed for being battered or mistreated. Again, that is never your fault. Uh, like JC mentioned, there's no excuse for abuse, right? Also remember that you are not the cause of your partner's abusive behavior. You deserve to be treated with respect. You deserve a safe and happy life. Your children and pets deserve a safe and happy life. And know that lastly, you're not alone, right? There are people wanting to help, uh, including us at Live Violence Free or any of the other, again, national, international, domestic violence resource centers out there. But unfortunately too, you know, a lot of people um, are going through this, right? So definitely know that you are not alone. Um, again, there's other people out there, you know, struggling in maybe some similar ways, but there's always someone that's gonna be available at the other end of the line if you do decide to make that call, right? And, and wanna reach out. But if you do stay, just please consider contacting a domestic violence support center in your area for, uh, you know, like we chatted about safety planning for support, peer counseling. Uh, there's also safe emergency housing or any other resources for leaving and staying. 
Also, just trying to build um, a strong support system possible within that relationship, right? Whatever ways you can safely do that, um, just try to have, you know, people rallied around you, right? In whatever ways that looks for you. Um, and get yourself and, you know, if you have them, your children or pets, involve some safe people and activities outside the home, right? Just so you kind of have that little safe haven just in case something does go wrong. And lastly, be kind to yourself, right? Just remember this isn't your fault and that no one deserves to be going through this and that, you know, that positive self-image building can make a really big difference if you're facing that violence and abuse, right? Kind of like what we were saying before, um, you know, if you're hearing something enough times, you really have to reframe that narrative, right? And so even doing that and trying to build that uh, within yourself could be a really big step um, and something that could be, you know, maybe really healing. Absolutely. And I think it's so important to know that before a survivor or victim reaches out to an agency like ours or an advocate, they most likely will reach out to someone close to them, right? So that may be mm-hmm. family member or friend, and that may be you, right? And so that's why it's so important that you're part of this conversation and that you also gain some you know, great insight on how you can help someone that is experiencing domestic violence. How can you empower them? How can you make them feel like they are not alone because you know it is very common for someone who's experiencing domestic violence to feel alone and so i think that's something that's so critical and important to know i just want to thank lisa miguel so much for providing such great information and having such great conversation with with me and all of you today I am going to lead us into our meditation. I think after this conversation, we definitely need to practice a little bit of self-care. And so Mm -hmm. specifically for this meditation, we are going to try to relax and allow some cue words to relax us through this guided meditation. And so to begin, go ahead and find a comfortable position. Try to become aware of how your body feels. Go ahead and take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, let your body begin to relax. Imagine that you are breathing in relaxation. Breathe out through your mouth and forcefully blowing out the air. Imagine expelling tension. Breathe in again and exhale as if you are blowing out a candle, blowing away any tension in your body. Breathe slowly and gently now. Continue to take calm breaths as you focus on relaxing your body. Notice how each area of your body is starting to feel relaxed as soon as you hear the word relax. Continue to breathe slowly and gently. As you become aware of your feet, relax. As you become aware of your ankles, relax. As you become aware of your lower legs, relax. Your knees, relax. 
your lower back relax your stomach relax your shoulders relax your elbows relax your wrists relax your hands relax your neck relax now become aware of your facial expressions and then relax scan your body now for any remaining areas of tension focus your attention on these areas relaxing them more and more now that your body has started to become relaxed, I will introduce you to some keywords for relaxation. You can choose whatever words you like, but I will continue to use the words breathe and relax. With each breath in, say in your mind, relax. With each breath out, Mentally say, breathe. Again, breathe in, saying your mind, relax. With each breath out, mentally say, breathe. Allow these words to relax you fully. Each time you hear them, allow your body and mind to become even more relaxed and calm. Let these relaxing keywords fill your mind. And just remember you can use whatever words allow you to relax. And so those keywords may be different for you. Slowly reawaken your body and your mind I hope everyone is feeling a little more relaxed than how you started this conversation with us all I think that's always good it's my favorite part of the these podcasts the ending <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank all of our listeners for listening to this episode we hope you gained some insight on why it may be difficult for survivors to leave an abusive relationship we hope you all join us on our next One Conversation episode.